What happens when a blind man, a woman of color, and a child of immigrants get together to discuss how diversity, inclusion, and equity affect your business? Hi everybody, welcome to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm UB, and I am the Latino white guy of the group. I'm Nina, I am the woman of color in the group. And I'm Mike, I'm uh, the blind guy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Choose Inclusion. I'm UB Simignetti, and I'm here with Mike Hess. Michael, how are you today? Doing fantastic, my friend. I'm so excited for this one, Ubaldo. I am too. I am too. And just a quick shout out to our other co-host, Nina, who is on a well-deserved uh, break this week. So um, I hope you're having fun, Nina. So yes, we are excited. So recently, uh, our, our co-host and friend, Mike Hass, was named on News Hook's list of top 20 disabled people with a global voice you must follow. And there were some incredible people uh, that he was sharing, you know, that that space with. And one of those people is Caroline Casey. She's the founder of the Valuable 500. And so we wanted to reach out to to Caroline and, and say, first of all, hello and welcome. And, and how are you? Well, hello. Um, I'm great. I'm really good. Um, I'm in Dublin and Ireland. I'm dying to talk to you guys. Uh, I think I have a sense you're probably the same type of troublemaker that I am. Which is always uh, great. I love talking <laughs> to troublemakers. <laughs> I won't bring up. I won't bring up the story about all the whiskey Mike drank on that one. <laughs> we go together, but hey, they. You know what though? They that were those were freebies though. That was just because we were being nice. You That's true. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> so. In, in, yeah, I just get a sense you two might get into lots of really good <laughs> trouble. And well, I, I you know, feel like that would be something I like to do with you too. <laughs> be great, so, and Nina. So Caroline, like you know this, like like the the the, the for profit world loves disruptors, right? Hmm. And and that's kind of what you know we have to be within the disability community. We have to be disruptors because the status quo, right? What's been going on for call it the last hundred years for the disability community. Like it's not working. So we have, you know, like it's like the burden is on our shoulders now to be slightly disruptive. So I, I love that. Well, I'm, I, I go a step further. I, I'm, I'm done with being slightly disruptive. I've been in the space. I'm going to be 50 this year. I've been in the space for 20 years. Um, and somebody called me recently a positive deviant. I was like, I love that. I do um, too. You know, I'm like, we're, we're beyond disruption. And I, and I know, I don't know how you all feel, but I think it, for me, it doesn't feel like a burden so much as this is the greatest opportunity right here, right now yeah. to, to really, to have this transformative moment and not to accept anything less than a full global business system reshake. You know, I really believe no more excuses, I don't even know why we need to consistently make the business case, you know, for over 20% of our population um, and the innovation and insight and differentiation it brings. So I'm like, yeah, let's just bring it on. Let's just do it now. When I always Love remember it. something Mike, you know, said a, a few years ago, because Mike is um, heavy into creating technology to help 
blind and visually impaired people and other people with disabilities, you know, contribute it and, and, and be a part of the modern world. And the beautiful thing is there is technology to enable that, right? And it's not, it's not, you know, a moonshot type of thing that, that, that needs to happen in order for that to become a reality. And so in our modern world, there is no excuse to your point. There's, there's not, right? No. And then you you're have so right, Ubi. I mean, doesn't Hector Minto, I, from Microsoft, so he's like the chief evangelist from Microsoft, he would say, you know, like disability innovation has moved inclusion forward. Like the time is right now and the technology is here. And I think where we're all like, you're so right. This is not a moonshot. What is the biggest obstacle is the six inches between our ears. It is the intentionality behind this, right? Because we know this can change and you guys know technology. I'm a Luddite, okay? I think often my greatest disability is that I, I'm slower with technical skill than most. And I mean, that's like having a double disability um, because right now technology can be one of the greatest enablers. But if we don't have people with disabilities uh, who have different lived experience designing from the beginning, then it could be the greatest exclusion. Um, but we have the opportunity right now. Like this, what is stopping us? It's intention and will. I love it. Caroline, I wanna know, um, uh, we got to talk a little bit offline. I, I, I want, want our audience to kind of le learn your, your, your personal story a little bit. Can you share a little bit about your your background and how you said you kind of came out of the disability closet, you know, 21 years ago. Can you, can you, can you talk, talk to our audience a little bit about your background? Yeah, I, sure. I, I will. Um, you know what? It's funny because I don't look like I am registered blind and I feel like nearly every day I have to keep coming out of this closet. <laughs> it's just exhausting. Um, but the reason that I really don't look like I have a vision impairment is, was a very conscious act by my parents um, I was born in 1971. I was diagnosed with ocular albinism uh, when I was about six months old. I'm the eldest of three. Um, and my father <laughs> loved the Johnny Cash song, A Boy Named Sue. Like, this is actually a true story. And because of the sentiment behind that, uh, which is that the world is a really tough place to thrive in. And um, so he wanted us to grow, his kids to grow up tough, right? So that we could not just survive that but we could thrive he and my mom made a decision to not disclose the, uh, my eye condition they sent me to a mainstream school they gave me a pair of glasses I mean lots of kids wore glasses right so I thought I was the same as any other kid uh, and I just grew up <laughs> blind to the fact <laughs> I was really severely visually impaired um, and at 17 years old because I am well known for saying that I had these crazy dreams you know, and which were all based around freedom. And I understand that now, but I didn't then. I wanted to be a cowgirl. I wanted to be Mowgli from the Jungle Book. I wanted to race cars and motorbikes. And so my mom and dad gave me a driving lesson on my 17th birthday. And you can just imagine, <laughs> I didn't obviously hop on any motorbike listening to Led Zeppelin. Um, in fact, that's when I discovered the, um, the reality um, and the severity of my eye condition and um and it was then I think I I hope this might have been the only time that I made a conscious act of discrimination um because I decided to hop into the disability closet I did not want to own it I did not want the label I didn't understand it back then there weren't 
a fantastic generation of people defiantly loving their disability. We didn't have the representation that I could relate to. Um, I had got to 17 and, you know, got there and I was like, I, do, I don't want this. So I went into a into the disability closet and I stayed there for 11 years uh, and I stayed there for 11 years very successfully or not, <laughs> which depends which way you look at it. Um, and then, yeah, I was working for a massive consultancy firm, Accenture. Um, they didn't even know about my condition and I was with them two and a half years. And that's when I eventually came out of the closet, which is 21 years ago now. So that was, that's my crazy story. And, and I had a very interesting career up to Accenture. I was an archeologist. I traveled around the world. I was a masseuse. I was a horticulturist. I mean, crazy stuff for somebody who had such low vision. Um, and, I, and I definitely have, listen, I, I have a rebel. I have a rebel heart in me. There's no doubt. And, and there's, there's no, there's no accident that I'm an entrepreneur now. There's none at all. Cause my father was, um, but yeah, so that's how it, it, it kind of started. And that was 21 years ago. Well, well and I, oh, sorry, I, I know where you, Baldo, please go yeah. ahead. I know where you're going, buddy. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I mean, I, 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 it's just, I mean, you were never treated differently, right? I mean, and that's, I think that's what we're all, the, the, that's the goal. That's the, all the work we're all trying to do is, is very similar in that there shouldn't be a difference in how someone is is treated right at the end of the day we're all human beings and so i just i love the fact that that's the, the what the route your parents took i don't think it's cruel at all um i don't know i think that's yeah hard. i think my parents got a really hard time for it um when you know the story came out but can i just uh, i don't i don't i can't talk to anybody else's life experience but I, it's very interesting, and I'd love to hear what Mike has got to say about this, but a lot of people attach the word inspiring um, to somebody who has um, an experience of disability and the fact that we do what we do, and oh my God, you're so inspiring. And they think, oh, that's because you got over your eyes or you have this sight condition. And I was like, no, I'll tell you the sustainable grit. <laughs> I have in my life and to do the things that I do actually came from the fact that I'm a child of an alcoholic as well and you know it's so interesting that we often want to focus on one aspect of ourselves you know and we're defined by and it really disturbs me that people are defined by their disability or defined by a childhood or defined by the color of our skin or our sexuality because we are so many aspects of so many things at different times in our life and um what we all want right regardless of how we turn up and all the different labels that make us the beautiful human beings we are is i i all i want to do is be part of creating a world where we can all belong as our beautiful unique selves not fit in i don't want to fit in mm -hmm. I, I want to belong and i want other people to belong and i don't want somebody else's belonging to take away from another person's or at the expense of uh, and I, that's the piece I, I, I really fight against. It's like inclusion means everyone for all. And, it, uh, and I, I want that. And I think that's where, what my parents believed in. It didn't matter. You know, they did, you know we have a lot in our family and, and um, our vision was one part of it, but it wasn't the most important part, actually. It really wasn't. And actually the hardest thing in my journey to self-acceptance is not just my sight, it's 
my childhood. It's actually surviving and thriving from that. Mike, I'm gonna let you jump in. <laughs> I no, I there's there's so much. I'm 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 sad that we don't have uh, three hours to do a podcast with you, Caroline. <laughs> um, I so my my when so I, I found out um, as a when I was in first grade. That's when they started doing the eye test and that sort of thing um, in the schools that I grew up in, Ohio, Midwest, United States, and. Um, couldn't tell the difference between the different colors of the balloons or whatever it was at the time. And so went to the eye doctor, small town, they didn't have the proper equipment next town over next town over ultimately got to the Cleveland eye clinic. And, uh, they did, uh, several experimental kind of, um, surgeries actually on my eyes. And, uh, I, I remember this, um, <laughs> like it was yesterday, uh, the, the, uh, doctor came out, Dr. Dong, it says, uh, uh, Judy, your son is going blind. He's got the earliest onset and his diagnosis was wrong. But again, this was the seventies of macular degeneration. He'll be totally blind by the time he turns 18. And so here's a seven-year-old boy. I look up at my mom and I said, what's blind? And she goes, it just means you're going to be special. And so my mom literally planted a seed at that point in time, not, not of devastation, right? Caroline of, of like, okay, well, so this is just a thing. So very similar to your parents. Um, now, of course, um, in the seventies, like, <laughs> especially boys, like if you're different and of course I had to start using, you know, large print books and all kinds of stuff like that, you know, life was cruel. And so I was, I was, you know, they call it bullying today back then it wasn't bullying. And so, um, I, my mom, uh, what I call gently nudge, which was a firm foot to ask, she says, get out there. And if somebody's, you know, poking fun at your eyes, you, you know, you bop them upside the head. Now, obviously looking back now. Not always the best advice, but, <laughs> but truly like, so, um, my mom really instilled in me, like, you know, uh, this kind of fighter disruptor, you know, don't, don't, don't let this define you. Like, yes, you're going to fall down. Yes. You're going to run into things. Yeah. You know, yes, 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 yes. To all of those things. So, but that's, you know, like, um, so much of our commonality that I'm seeing with you, Caroline is just, that's, you know, it's not, it's not like, uh, uh, completely mind-blowing that I'm an entrepreneur now. It's not completely mind-blowing that I'm, you know, really, you know, creating change within, um, you know, communities that have been really marginalized. So, um, but I, so I love, I love the similarity of our journeys, but I, I want to get to like your journey of that entrepreneurship, because I think the Valuable 500 is something that our listeners need to know about. <laughs> Well, thank you. I so my entrepreneurial journey began, I think, when I, when I was when I was about fifteen. I, I was painting painting poles for horse jumping, and then I designed to I decided to paint pictures on walls, and then I was a gardener. I mean, I like it was always in there, right? But I tell you where the idea of the Valuable Five Hundred came from. It actually came from a very very long time ago, when my father, an entrepreneur. He was um, the first company in Ireland um, to get the ISO, which is a quality assurance mark. And um, I remember him getting that and it was really hard fought for. And he was like, the reason I'm doing this is because, you know, business, you want to stand out and you want to differentiate. You've always got to be different in business. And there was something about the way he, he did business and he was really good um, about ensuring the people that worked with him and the customers it was all about people. My dad was always about people. Um, 
And so what I never understood um, when I finally came out of the closet uh, when I was 28 years old is why was business leaving the disability community on the edges? Like, I just didn't get it. I mean, I didn't, I had no idea. You must remember, it took me a while when I came out of the closet. I then looked around. It literally was like my eyes were opened to see the scale of the disability inequality crisis in the world. And we know what that is. But what's extraordinary is that disability isn't, a, you know, an us thing. It's going to touch every one of us. And right now, between a mother and a father, it touches 72% of our global economy, right? So why on earth would business not be part of, A, delivering change for that 72% that of our population, but B, that's a market. And the more I looked into it, the more that I saw, well, we can't have an inclusive society if we don't have an inclusive business system because business is the most powerful force on the planet, right? And if business values, society values. And we started to do research and I was realizing that like, so like 90% of our companies claim to be passionate about inclusion, but only 4% consider disability. Like that's bananas, right? That's a delusion to me. Um, and that's been something I've been really wanting to radically do is transform the business system to stop leaving disability on the sidelines. And, um, and the way in which we've done that has always been a very business model. It's been a market-led model looking at the insight and innovation of this community. It's looking about the brand differentiation and the talent. Um, it's, and it's not asking for it to be the right thing to do or the worthy thing to do, but it just makes really good business sense. And, you know, I've been doing it for years, honestly. It's been years and, you know, we'd won lots of awards. We had great successes and we had great failures. All the things that an entrepreneur knows only too well. And um, I got to tell you, 17 years into this journey I've been doing, despite the success, I was so frustrated that we had not seen accelerated change, that we would still be having this conversation that we're having today, despite the figures, despite the fact this market represents eight trillion like what are we doing here despite that you know it it, it it amazed me that you could get onto a company and they say well this year we're focusing on gender and next year we're going to focus on ice caps and you're just like this is insane so um what we really identified as the barrier for that was the ceo is that uh -huh. simple right i know this is crazy but it's that simple Leaders yep. make choices and those choices create culture. If you want to change a business system, you need the leadership. And so the Valuable 500 was this badass, iconic search launched two years ago on the most influential business stage in the world to break the global CEO silence on disability inclusion and get 500 of the world's most influential, committed CEOs to bring their business and themselves to the table and elevate the conversation disability inclusion to board level to be accountable by the CEO. That was it. That was the whole intention is to stop the crazy and then create a safe space for CEOs to support their business so that together with this collective influence, we could radically transform a business system. We could because all that is required is the intention to do so and a collective mass who are willing. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. But I want to know like, okay, so, cause you said you got, uh, you've been working at this, you're at 440 CEOs globally, but you said you have like some big news that's coming up here in May. Like what, what's like, tell us more about the valuable 500 and your achievements. 
Well, yeah, like we're 440 um, as of this morning. We've just signed another massive American brand. Um, and, you know, when I say this, we're 440 companies and all those companies have to have at least a thousand employees. OK, and they have to be private sector. But we are representative of 35 countries, 64 sectors. The global um, uh, employee count is 17 million and over 7 trillion in revenue. And we're just only at 440, right? Now, what could we do with that power? When it reaches 500, what are we going to do with the power of those brands and those leaders and those supply chains and those employees? Well, now, now we activate the community. So on the 13th of May, we will be revealing the full 500, this, this unique community, the second biggest CEO community in the world after UN Global Compact, which is 14,000. So I don't mind being second place to them. Um, and we're going to release the power of that. We've designed a transformational change program for this community. And it has been designed with and for business and completely um, sense checked by the disability community to ensure that it's both delivering for business and delivering for people with disabilities. And we will be setting a three-year target and activating this community to drive change. So we were never just a campaign. We began as a campaign to break the silence, but now, now it's trying to find 500 shortcuts to really hacking a global solution for disability inclusion. And that's disability business inclusion. These are the CEOs who could transform disability inclusion through business leadership and opportunity. And if they do it, if they want to do it, they can. Because there's loads of companies that have fantastic stuff happening. It's kind of like joining the dots. It's like the fairy lights on a Christmas tree and just plugging in the socket, right? <laughs> You're just like, look, if, if you get 500 companies doing one thing, isn't that amazing? Can you get imagine 500 companies doing one thing in one direction? That's how systems change. And that's what we're here to do. Sign us up. And I, so I, I know that like, like, Oh, you're so inspiring. Okay. But here's the thing. And you Baldo knows this. Like we've had, you know, uh, over a hundred episodes. Now we talk to a lot of amazing people, uh, friends that we have in common, like Judy human. Like, I got to tell you, though, you have fired me the F up right now, uh, Caroline. So I, you know, like I'm, yeah. you know, it's it's going on nine o'clock here in Denver. And I know it's uh, four <gasps> you live in Denver. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, my God. Denver, Denver, Denver. I have to just intervene there and just go. If you want to fire me up, you just need to talk to me about Montana, Denver, Colorado, because I'll tell you why. And Texas, oddly. Because, you know, the valuable 500, which was launched in Davos, you know, this, this iconic call out, that idea, believe it or not, was launched in a, a, a pre-campaign in Colombia called Hashtag Valuable, where I tested this idea. And I tested it by riding a horse from uh, Cartagena in um, northwest Colombia to the main stage of, of a big conference called One Young World in Bogota, which is in Colombia. And that's where I made that absolute roar for 500 CEOs. And the reason I always wanted to do it because I, I felt that it was an adventure and in an adventure in doing things differently. And um, Denver has played a really important part of that story because I rode lots of horses in Denver. And Denver 
Colorado, Texas. Yeah. I my heart just breaks open when you say that. That's for me. I can smell horses, and the minute I smell horses, it reminds me about the courage to begin this thing. That nobody believed me when I began the Valuable Five Hundred. They all thought I was crazy. They thought I was crazy. So, yeah. well, first of all, uh, don't put me on a horse. That's <laughs> that's absolute danger. Uh, <laughs> but that's incredible. I love that. I love that because uh, yeah, you never know, right? You never know where the idea sparks right it could happen anywhere um and i i my question about davos is um like what was it that finally got you up on the main stage what was it from their perspective that said you know what this discussion deserves the main stage right now well you, the fire it's the fire that mike's speaking to that fire in our bellies like we're entrepreneurs right we are all entrepreneurs you know that feeling it chooses you you don't choose it and once that fire is lit, there's very little that's going to stop you. No matter, even if you go and eat mud, even if your face is shoved into the floor, the big thing about an entrepreneur is how they, they pick themselves and get up and get on again. Try not take the failure personally, learn from it. I know these are all cliches, but that's true. So, you know, there's so many ways. And what was the final, the breakthrough that got us onto the main stage of Davos? And you guys will get this more than anybody is my first believer of the valuable 500. And none of us, none of us can do this stuff on our own. You know, the most important part is it's not, first of all, we got to believe in it in ourselves, right? But that's not enough. The idea is not enough. And the belief in ourselves is not, we've got to get other people to back us. And it was when, I, I mean, I wanted Paul Pullman, who was the CEO of Unilever, he was one of, and is still, he's our chairman, by the way. He, he was one of the most influential corporate CEOs because he was the one to really lead sustainability, right? Purpose-driven business. And I knew he, if I could get him to believe in our work, then we had a chance. And that's why I rode this horse across Colombia to the main stage where I could find Paul Pullman. So true as God, you will do anything for it. So... Yeah. And what is, is the magic of the universe was I didn't know Paul was going to be in the room when I took that main stage. Uh, I had no idea. But I did stand up and I said, all I want is to find a Paul Pullman. And how weird was it that three minutes before I said that, he happened to walk through the door and he came up on a stage and he said, I stand with you. And because he stood with me and they said, what do you want? And I said, I want the main stage at Davos and I want 500 more of you. And he said, right, let's do it. So what happened, it wasn't, it was that he believed in me enough and he can, he got me the space. And then because of that, he was the first and look at now, look at now it's, it's him and 440 others. Uh, man, I, I, I'm just so like, this is, uh, you, this is so badass. I love what you're doing, Caroline. I, I so want to be part of it. Please count me in. Um, more importantly, like I please please know that you have a friend and an ally uh, here in the Denver metro area, and um, uh, what an <laughs> I love I love what you're doing. I love how you, and, and and you you Baldo knows this about me. Like it's one thing to say like oh I like what you're doing, but I love how you're doing it. 
Like, you know, this, you know, you're, you're intentionally disruptive. You're intentionally defiant. You're like, I love all of that. Like, you're just saying, you know what, uh, Hey world, like, you know, <laughs> you're either going to let us join or you're going to, you're, you know, you're going to be pushed behind because, uh, the world is, the, the world's coming on, on board with us and it's, it's happening. This isn't like a summer day kind of thing. This is a now. So I love it. Love it. Love it. Caroline. Thank you so much for joining us. I so appreciate you. Well, thank you. I think, um, as I say, I think that where we are at night right now is I do believe in this moment in time that in a way we've all been waiting for, but we are perfectly at a valuable 500 position because we're saying this is a decade of disruption coming here. We defiantly tell you it is a moment where we have to use our heads and our hearts. And it's the intersection of both of them that could transform our society, but it can transform our business. And I think the success so far of the value of a 500 is do not underestimate us, okay? We come with the intelligence and a long-term, you know, um, breadth of understanding of this, of what we understand, but we also come with our hearts. And the magic of that, you know, it's the magic of that. We all want the same thing, right? We all want to belong. We all want to reach our potential. We all want to contribute. And I do not accept that anybody can tell me that our world can come back after what we've seen in COVID. And we have to fix it. And if we're going to fix it, we have to have our voices equally at the table like anybody else. And I think business is ready. I do. And if they're not, <laughs> we'll make them ready. That's right. So, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, to Mike's point, I mean, that's, you know, this is sort of a make it or break it opportunity once in a lifetime yeah. for most organizations. No, I, yeah, I think, and, and what I'll sum it up with is, and the reason why we called the the podcast Choose Inclusion is because it's a choice. Going back to your point about, you know, one leader standing in the way, it's one choice too, right? Like it's, it's a simple, conscious, intentional choice to make. Yeah. And that's where we're at right now. And so I think, um, yeah, count us in and, and we'll, uh, we'll keep spreading the word. Um, but yeah, Caroline, thank you so, so much for, for today. It was really a, an amazing conversation. Well, I look forward to um, hosting you guys in Ireland for pints of Guinness at some point soon. Love it. Count us in. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, look at flights right now. Uh, <laughs> game on. Game well, awesome. on. <laughs> Love it. Well, Caroline, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. Thank you. Absolutely. No, all right. Thank you, audience, for continuing to, to tune in. Uh, we love it. We love you all. Uh, Chooseinclusion.com is the place to start, and you can go from there to all the different streaming sites. And, uh, yeah, so until next time, thank you all so, so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Choose Inclusion podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can see closed captioning for this podcast on our YouTube channel. You can find us online on our website, chooseinclusion.com, and contact us on Twitter at chooseinclusion.